my name is Weston Kurz. I am an elder and pastor and shepherd here at Church Project, and it's great to see you guys this morning. And um, when preparing the message, I prayed about and asked God what he would like us to hear and put into action from today's reading. I thought it would be important to keep this message biblical, simple, and relevant, as that's our motto here at Church Project. So today's verses are actually very straightforward and simple. Um, some of you might have read ahead and might be thinking, oh, these are pretty, what, what can you get out of these? These are pretty straightforward. Some of you may have read ahead, and as I was convicted with this week, these uh, words are pretty challenging, and when I look at my own life in all the four areas I'm going to kind of touch on, honestly, I see, you know, when my first thought was, I see failure, I see failure, I failed again, I failed again. So it was kind of challenging to work through this um, in these different areas that we're going to talk about today. Um, but we're going to, when we get to the end, we'll, it'll kind of kind of come back all together. And just as, again, I, I love the Holy Spirit because um, he gets in front of all of us and does what he does. And the song choice that Jeremy chose I end the message with what that song really is related to, and him and I didn't speak at all about this this week. So, Holy Spirit's working even when I'm not. So, for right now, I just want to stop, and uh, I'm just going to pray, um, and I want to pray um, that God's going to show us something new, something fresh, uh, something captivating, something that will transform us today um, as we live our lives out to be more like our Savior and King Jesus Christ. I was challenged this week when I was way in Philadelphia um, by this artist um, to just stop and just focus on Jesus. And so as I pray, just kind of as we, we kind of focus on the word just a minute ago, would you guys just focus on Jesus as we begin to, to study in this, in this word? And so, uh, Father God, we just come before you, and we thank you again for this opportunity that we get to come um, as free people. Um, we're, we're slaves, and we're going to learn about that in a minute as bond servants to you, but we're, we are free in Christ, and uh, we thank you for the freedoms of this country that we can come and um, just hear your word today uh, without threat of harm. Uh, brothers and sisters around the world uh, don't have that luxury. Lord, I pray for them. I pray for the church at large today. I pray for the message you put on the heart of many uh, men and women to share your gospel message. Um, Lord, I, I just pray for our church here, our local church at Church Project. God, may you just be with us as we hear your words. May we just uh, look freshly on, on the face of Jesus, and uh, may we be transformed by um, your message today um, that we're going to hear. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we're wrapping up, uh, or getting close to the end of the book of Ephesians, a message from Paul to the church in Ephesus He's been instructing and reminding this group of believers what it looks like to follow Jesus in all areas of our life, and these are pretty practical things. Uh, last week, Pastor Aaron spoke about what it looks like to have a Christ-honoring marriage relationship. Uh, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and wives are to submit and respect their husbands. So um, my question to you people that are married, so how did that go this last week? <laughs> wives, did you see an outpouring of love? Uh, husbands, did you see some additional respect this week? I trust that we all made some progress in this area, uh, and it's, as it's important to a healthy, healthy lifestyle. Um, again, we probably came up a little bit short, but that's where the grace of God comes in, and, and, um, which is a really cool thing. I, I think one thing I was focusing on, and I was uh, thinking about this week, and I, I want to say this a couple times because I think this is, is really good. If we actually do what God's word says on purpose, 
intentionally fighting for the truth, showing his love, demonstrating his grace, our lives will be filled with more joy and peace. I'm going to say that again because I think it just, it rings true in my life and I've seen it in other people's lives. So if we actually do what God's word says, if we have some biblical obedience in our life, on purpose, we can't just let it happen, intentionally fighting for his truth, showing his love to the people we're close to and, and strangers, demonstrating his grace by forgiving others, our lives will be filled with more joy and peace because the focus actually will come off of us and onto others and onto, onto, onto Christ. So if you get nothing else today, uh, get that right there. So as we jump into today's passage, it's important to point out right off the bat that we're talking about relationships. That's what, that's what Paul's talking to us about here. Last week, the marriage relationship. This week, we're going to be talking about children's to children to their parents, dads to their children, employees to employers, employers to their employees. In all these relationships that Paul talks about, it's important to keep in mind that he brings Christ back into the center of all these relationships. As I was preparing this week, I hadn't really thought about it in depth, but we are we aren't ever really dealing with just one person in a relationship. In the marriage relationship between my wife and I, Christ is in that relationship. In my relationship with you as fellow believers and, and people um, that know God, Christ is and the Holy Spirit is in our relationships. Um, there's always another party there that's God, which is kind of a cool thing to think about. Um, and so in, in all of these relationships uh, that Paul talks about, um, again, Christ is in the middle of all this. Christ, the Holy Spirit, and God are all part of the relationship equation. They're impacted and brought honor and glory, or not brought honor and glory by the way we handle our relationships. I think it's important to remember that when we close the message today, I'm going to bring this relationship um, back with the triune God back into a picture. And I just want to give you kind of a heads up right now. um, On your your seat, there's these little response cards. Um, If you're new to Church Project, uh, this is how we stay connected with you. There's an opportunity for you to fill in your name and email and phone number. Um, we send out weekly emails. Um, there's a, if you accept Christ today as your Lord and Savior, there's a place to mark there. But um, if you want to serve in our worship team uh, or in uh, Project Kids or join a house church, this is the place, this is the connecting point uh, for that. And then on the back, we call it a response card because there's a prayer request. And at the end of the message, I'm going to ask all you guys to, to potentially write down one thing um, that God's showing you in this message that we can pray for as a group of elders this week. It's a privilege that we get to do that for you. Um, and it's, it's something that God's going to be, I just know he's going to show you something today um, in this, uh, an area that, uh, that he wants you to really focus on. And I ask that you would write that down. So it, in... The passage, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So um, how many children do we have with us today? I see the children out there. All right, so, okay, we got a couple couple of people that see where I was going with this. Uh, We all are children. You all, have a, you all have an earthly parents, okay? So everyone in this room is a, ch- a child of God, child of a parent. Um, so you all should have raised your hands, but you didn't. Um, so who wants things to go well? Who wants things to go well? Well today, well tomorrow, well into the future? It's pretty simple. Obey your parents. That's it. Obey your parents. We're done. We could walk out here right now. Just done. We're done right here. Honor your father and mother. That's it. It's really that simple. 
Um, but some of you may be saying, Weston, you don't know my dad. Um, the way he's treated me, um, maybe the way he's neglected me. My mom, my mom has done this, my mom has done that. Uh, humanly speaking, no one gets perfect parents. Um, none of us that are parents are perfect um, to our children. Uh, unless, your, unless your parents are telling you to do something non-biblical and against the will of God, then it's just we need to simply obey them. They know best. Beyond your earthly parents, you're actually obeying and honoring your Father and God in heaven. He is a perfect Father and has given us everything we need to fulfill His purpose for our lives. Obey and honor your parents. Obey and honor your Father in heaven. Things will go well. Um, I will come back to that towards the end of my message, I think, and, and tell you a story about what that might look like, as it's looked like in my life. So in the next area, verse, I believe, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There are multiple verses that support the scripture and this idea. And I'm, I'm going to read a couple, but I'm going to give you all of them. And I know when I'm sitting out there with you guys, uh, sometimes we go through these a little too quickly. So if you're writing these down, I'll try to go slow enough and repeat them. But the one I'm going to start with is Genesis 18, verse 19. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised to him. So in the Old Testament, we see there in Genesis 18, 19, uh, a, a promise um, of what God says to us about being a father. Um, Deuteronomy 4, 9. I'm just going to tell you where that one's at. You can go look it up for yourselves. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7. And again, Deuteronomy, have fun trying to spell that. Deuteronomy 11, 19 has another verse on that. Psalm 78, 4, and I'm going to read this one. We will not hide them from their children, but to tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. We are to talk about what the Lord has done for us in our lives to our children. Proverbs 22, 6, many people are aware of the Familiar with this verse, Proverbs 22, 6. Also, Proverbs 29, 17 says this. Discipline your son, and he will give you rest. He will be a delight to your heart. I think that's another area that we've kind of lost track of about discipline and instruction of our children. First of all, I want, to, I want to know why the wife isn't mentioned or given any additional instructions here. Does anyone have any ideas on that? It doesn't say wives bring up your children and don't anger them. It says fathers. Why is that? I think it's a couple things. One, my personal opinion is they already have it all figured out, and they actually know how to do this really well. <laughs> God needed to remind us men that we need to dig into this a little deeper. Also, the, probably the scriptural um, answer to this is God calls the man to be the head and the leader of the household. Uh, this includes the education and upbringing of our wives and our children in the Lord. Men, dads, how are we doing in this area? Unfortunately, uh, the news is not very good if you look at some of the research. And I'm not going to bore you with all the negative statistics about dads and how they've checked out on their families. Um, there's lots out there. If you want to study and get depressed, as I started to as I was going down that path, I'm like, no, I'm not, not going to do that. There's a lot of stuff out there. Um, I think that the main point is, like, men, right here and right now is the time for us to take back the responsibility of leading our household and disciplining um, our children and instructing them in the Lord. 
Right now is the time. We can't look back with regrets. Um, I was thinking about that today when I was literally this morning, I was thinking about looking back with regrets and just getting the burden of that a little bit for me personally. Because I've, I've failed. I failed my daughter Emily back there. I failed my daughter Katie. Um, I've not done a great job in those areas. And I, I can be looking back with all that shame and guilt and stuff. But God showed me this morning in a very practical way that we shouldn't be doing that when I reached up to adjust my rearview mirror and it broke off of my windshield. So I don't know. That was a very practical way that that happened to me today. I can't be looking back as I drive. Um, and I think that was a good analogy for today. A lot of times we will look back. And there is time to reflect and be convicted. Um, but there's times that we shouldn't be. We need to be looking forward. And I think in this area, as, as fathers, we need to be looking forward to what the Lord has for us. And those of you that are not uh, dads yet, uh, I'm, I wish I heard this message early on in my life. It, would, it probably would have helped me out quite a bit. However, th there's good news. Like I said, it's not too late. Um, I think in all things, when we struggle with stuff, th there's, a, there's a formula, and this is not exactly correct, but this is for me what I wrote down. Confess, repent, return, learn and then lead in this area. I'm going to say that again. Confess, repent, return, learn, and lead in this area. Equip ourselves so we can equip our children. I can't give my kids what I don't have personally. If I'm not in the scripture, if I'm not on my knees, if I'm not doing things with other believers in community, I can't give that. I can't show that to anybody else. And even when I do all that, I'm still coming up short, by the way, because we do this thing imperfectly, and that's where we're going to rely on the Lord. So just, dads, join me in this. It can all change today. Right now, today, we can change. We can be better. And again, when I get to the end here and tell this story, it's not too late. Some of, some of you, your kids aren't even your, under your household anymore. And it's not too late. Moving on to verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he'll receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. So this is another promise from God. Do this, you'll get this. Um, it's awesome. A bondservant um, in the time uh, that this is written is a slave. In some Bibles, the word bondservant is, is the translation, well, I should say in all Bibles, probably all Bibles, the translation of the Greek word uh, doulos, which means one who is subservient to and entirely at the disposal of his master, a slave. Other translations use the word slave or servant directly. Uh, in Roman times, the bond servant or slave could refer to someone who voluntarily served others, but it usually referred to one who was held in a permanent position of servitude. Under Roman law, a bond servant was considered the owner's personal property. Slaves essentially had no rights and could even be killed with impunity by their owners. I know in today's context, when we use the word slave, we get this automatic, at least I do, like, oh, that's a politically incorrect word, and you shouldn't say that, or, or things like that. So we get kind of this focus on that, but I think we need to kind of step back a little bit um, and look at this from a, a broader perspective, and how is it relevant to us today. And when I, when I say it, look at this, there's kind of two ways to look at this in my mind. From a cultural perspective, we are all bond servants or slaves to our employers. Um, and even those of you that own your own businesses technically are probably bond servants to making money and earning an income. And from a biblical perspective, we are all bond servants to Christ. And this is the main point uh, of the scripture. 
we are all subservient under Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, whether we know him personally or, or not. All, all knees will bow to Jesus Christ at the end of time. All. Every single one of them. And we are subservient to our Lord and Savior. And we need to operate under that. Under that. So keep that in the back of your mind as we kind of go through the rest of this part right here. Throughout the New Testament, the word bondservant, slave, or servant is applied metaphorically to someone absolutely, out, absolutely devoted to Jesus. And I, every once in a while, I've seen people sign a little letter, kind of a Christianese type thing where they put, I saw, the first time I ever saw it kind of blew me away. It said, slave of Christ. And I was like, slave of Christ? What is this person trying to say by signing this letter, slave of Christ? <laughs> but it means this right here. Someone that's absolutely devoted to Jesus knows that he is their king and that he's going to serve him. Um, and I think, again, removing the negative connotation, that I think that's a good thing for us. Um, Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, Jude, all describe themselves as bondservants of Christ. So you're in good company if you, if you do as well. Believers today should consider them themselves bondservants or slaves of Christ. He is our Lord, and our allegiance is due to him alone. As bondservants, we renounce other masters. We only serve one. You, don't, you didn't have two masters. You couldn't have both. You only had one. And so in our, in our time, we, we need to be thinking about Jesus as our, as our primary uh, master. Give ourselves totally to him. Being a bondservant of Christ is not, judge, not drudgery. His burden is light, as we just sang, uh, which comes from Matthew 11.30. Also, we have this promise. From Romans 6.22, now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. In Romans 6.22, that's another great promise. So if this is true, we should not serve with eye service or as a people pleaser. We should serve out of the holy devotion to our Lord, Lord and King. This, like the previous passage, comes with a promise that we will receive this service back from the Lord. And so... When I looked at this passage here, for me, um, and I know this is probably true of a lot of people, um, conviction of myself was what this statistic in Inc. Magazine says, that 89% of people admitted to wasting time at work. And I actually think the 11% lied. <laughs> it's true that we all can be more productive at work. Um, the key is to remember who we're looking for, or who we're working for. And um, one of my biggest challenges is that I'm a recovering people pleaser. And unfortunately, a lot of the people that I'm pleasing are not the most important people. I please others in my job um, at the expense of my wife and my children. And to kind of put up a, when I looked into this, and there's a book on this, by the way, if you want to dig in deeper, if you're a people pleaser. Um, when I w went through this book that a, a previous pastor had given me, I realized that at the end of the at, at the end of that, that people pleasing stuff, that looking eye service, look at me, look at me, I'm good, was nothing but my own personal pride and sin. I, I pride myself on working hard and being a diligent worker, but when I look really in the mirror, I realize, you know what, I'm coming up short of the standard. I'm not always giving what I need to give to the Lord, and so um, it's challenging, uh, especially those of us that struggle with people pleasing. Um, I don't want to look bad in front of you guys. I don't want to mess up right now when I'm talking to you. Um, that's just the people-pleaser pride in, in me. That's, that's that. But from a heart of serving others and how we work towards serving our employers, um, that's what I think this passage is, is talking about. And no matter where you're serving, um, the most menial jobs, and I know some of um, our younger folks have to start out at the bottom. 
doing some of the worst jobs in the world. <coughs> and um, if you do that worst job, quote in the world, well, you get noticed if you do it with the right heart. And uh, it, it's, it's a powerful lesson, one that, again, I wish I'd learned a little bit earlier. Moving on to masters in verse 9, or I think it's verse 9. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he is who is both master knowing that he who is both their master and yours in, is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So even the masters are under the um, service to our Lord. So Paul concludes with a word for masters in our context today, employers or business owners. He says to treat them the same as you would want to be treated and stop threatening them. I can imagine a threatening master to somebody, go do this or I will hurt you or kill you or take this away from you. Obviously, we don't really operate like that directly, but I think there's things that we do that are like that. <coughs> in this context, over a third of the Roman Empire was um, a slave of somebody else during this time that Paul wrote this. So two-thirds people were, quote, free, a third were under this. I think so. it's important to, for Paul to address this group and remind them that they are not really the end-all, be-all, but they are bondservants themselves to God. As I was thinking about this, I thought of two practical ideas for employers— uh, first of all, if you own a, own a business, uh, be generous to your workers. Um, this can be a reflection of how God is generous to us. If you've dedicated your business to serving the Lord, how are you doing that by serving the people that work for you? As a Christian-owned business, um, it should look different than the rest of the world. Um, an example of this for me personally that benefited me um, was before I came to work here at Dayspring, I worked at First Bank. And... Um, I worked for a company that believed in giving their employees stock ownership. And this was based on Roger Reicher and this, and this gentleman named Ira Rothgerber that it would be good for the employees to own part of this company. And so they gave back through stock options, not just to officers of the, of the bank, which I was, but to all people that worked at the bank. And so there are people that started as tellers that have literally, from that company, I wish I would have been this teller back in 1970, probably seven, um, but I was, and I was just like three years old in or whatever. But if I, you were a teller in 77, you started with First Bank. In 1997, you could retire 20 years later as a millionaire because people were generous to the per person. I heard another story this week out in Philadelphia at this giving conference where people, um, I can't remember the company right now, um, it was a big, I think it was a, an, a big Midwestern company where they gave stock options to um, their employees. And people over the time accrued wealth and were able to be generous for the other kingdom purposes. So um, it really, I think it's a good idea, if you can, in your context, to uh, have your employees become part owners of, of the company. Because at the end of the day, I think it's good business as owners, quote, owners, work harder for the success of the companies than do non-owners. Second, um, you may think, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Um, I'm not a business owner. But I would say, again, like you're not all children, you know, like we're all children here. Most of us, I think, have this come up. If any of us contract out work on our house or rental properties, uh, we are actually taking the role of the employer or owner. How do we treat these subcontractors? Uh, do, we pay them par do we pay them fairly? Do we treat them with respect? Do we pay them on time? Do we hold back money from them? What does that look like? When someone gets done working for us, do they think something's different than the rest of the world? Did we treat them with respect and honor in the way that they did their work? Now, of course, there's times where they didn't do a good job and we have to hold them accountable. I'm not getting into that, that story right now, but um, we should treat them with honor and we should treat them um, with respect according to the Lord. 
So before I go into kind of the summary, I wanted to go back to the, this story um, for me personally. Uh, and I, again, I think <coughs> you each have your own story out there. I know some of your stories, um, but I don't know all of your stories. But God is a God of redemption, and uh, we praise him for that. My own story is one of, and I think I, I put somewhere in there, there's a generational thing that's going on. I didn't get to choose the parents I was born under. Neither did any of you. God chose that for us. Um, again, we said we weren't perfect parents. My parents were divorced. Um, my dad, um, speaking specifically my dad, um, my grandfather was a pastor in a church, um, and my dad was totally rebellious. And, uh, I mean, if there was a sin, he probably did it uh, growing up. And then that translated into the way he parented us as I was growing up. And so I wasn't getting discipline or instruction in the Lord when I was growing up. Didn't know the Lord. And um, lots of crazy stuff um, going on. But my dad, when he remarried, married someone that was a believer that knew Jesus Christ. Somehow he gets connected back to his faith. Starts going to a church. Starts meeting in a men's Bible study. Ends up at Promise Keepers in 1992 and was convicted by that whole experience. And then because of that and not giving up and God not giving up on me, he invites my brother and I to Promise Keepers in 1994. So as I just had turned 21 years old, um, I'd heard the gospel message multiple times in my life. But at that conference, at that event, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Here's my dad with a messed up parenthood let's call it that i'm already 21 years old i'm out of the house i've been in college for three years but he did he did, was not afraid to invite my brother and i to this event that was a transformational i mean a transformational part of my life so that now my life as i've grown up and i was i was uh dating kristen at the time living together here in Greeley, um and uh, we weren't right with the lord but because of that that trans that little transformation and i should say little gigantic transformation that gigantic redemption allowed my wife and i to start to follow the lord get plugged into a bible believing church raise our daughters in a christian home imperfectly with all my failures and all my faults but it's not too late so it's not too late to be a good employer it's not too late to be a good dad or a mom it's not too late to be a good uh, child to your parents or honoring to your parents that's the message it's not too late God can use all these different things in time. Today is where we need to kind of go forward with that and maybe not focus on that rearview mirror. So what did we learn today? Children, obey, your parent, obey and honor your parents. Fathers are to, to not anger their children, but to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Employees are to work unto the Lord and not to men and do it with their whole heart. Employers are to do likewise and not mistreat their employees. So what do we do with all this head knowledge? I don't want it to be head knowledge. Um, we need to move it down 12 inches and make it heart knowledge because that's what the only thing will lead us to action look at verse 6 it says doing the will of God from the heart not from our head so um, if you don't know this already you can't do this on your own we all need help more rules to follow just exposes our sin as I totally exposed me as I went through this this week I had to confront a lot of my personal fail failures in all these areas. <coughs> Never mind what happened the previous week, thinking about my wife and my marriage <laughs> and that relationship. Ouch. 
I don't want to leave us in a place of guilt or regret. I think God wants us to look forward with a sense of how we can bring him glory going forward in all these relationships. So what are we going to do? So first of all, um, if we don't know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we need to get that relationship right first. Acknowledging that we are a sinner and that we can't meet the perfect holy standard God has laid out for us is the first step. We need, I need, you need a Savior, a mediator between you and God. God provided his son Jesus who lived a perfect life, died on a cross for my sins and yours, so that we can be reconciled to God. Jesus rose on the third day, conquering death and Satan, and will return again one day soon. God did this because he loves us. He made us. He's our Heavenly Father. He's perfect. All he asks for in return for us to be reconciled through his Son. It's very simple. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9 through 13. For those of us that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we can turn to him right now for help in accomplishing his will in these areas so that we can bring him glory. I told you earlier that I was going to ask in a practical way um, for you guys to participate in this. So if you guys want to find, um, if you feel led, find your response card. Um, this is, again, how we stay connected with you. We, as an uh, elder team, want to pray for you this week. And like I said, something today probably touched you in one way stronger than the other, something that you would like to um, get prayer for. Maybe, maybe you've, you've accepted Christ today as your Savior, and you would like someone to talk to you about that. There's a box you can check on the response card for that. Praise God if that's you. Like me back in 1994 at Promise Keepers, the trajectory of my life and my destiny changed in a moment. I'm guessing that some in, something in today's message again stood out for you. Maybe it's something that brought you up, brought up anger or frustration. Maybe it brought up guilt or shame. Maybe it brought up praise for something positive that's happened in your life. Maybe you're praising God right now that you have had great parents. Maybe it's something you need to confess. So I'm asking all of you guys on the back of the response card before you leave today, everyone write down one thing that they would like to receive prayer for this week or one thing they would like to praise God for from this message. You can take a moment to do this right now as I'm wrapping up. You can do it as we're singing. You can do it before you leave. We have a little um, offering box in the back there. You can put the card back in there. Um, this thing that you've struggled with, or we all need to work on, whatever you're thinking in your mind, whatever you've written down, we are going to give this to the Lord right now. We're going to come to Jesus with this and take his yoke. We're going to find rest in this thing right now. Listen to these words from Jesus at the end of Matthew eleven twenty five through 30. What I want you guys to do right now is pretend right now as you're listening to these words that you are at the feet of Jesus. Look up, see his face, and listen to what he says. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, 
and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is what Jesus says to us today. I'm going to join you in prayer. Father God, you are so awesome. And uh, God, I just thank you so much for the time together this morning, this opportunity that we could come and hear your word and listen to how much you love us. As we're supposed to live our lives as children of the Most High King, as fathers representing you to our children in, in this world, God, as employees, as, as servants of others, or maybe we are masters over others and responsibilities that you've given us. God, in whatever area you've put in us, maybe in all four areas, Lord, right now we acknowledge that we come up short. We cannot do these things without your help, without your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us. Father, right now, I, I pray over this group of people that may have a hurt or a brokenness or a, a challenge that right now, as they're thinking, just seems insurmountable. Lord, you are a God of relationships and you are a God of redemption. You want to redeem relationships. You want them to come back into right standing whether it be the relationship that we have with your son or if the relationship we have with our, our wives, relationships we have with our parents, relationships that we have with our employers this week or employees as we go out. God, redeem these relationships. Make them right, not by our strength, Lord, but by yours because we can't do it alone, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for making us. Thank you for giving us everything we need to live a life that honors you. Lord, sometimes I feel like we're just not worthy, but I thank you for so much grace and mercy you've showed us. Help us to love you more this week. Help us to love the people around us more this week. We ask this all in Jesus' name.